This is the business of sports. Should Major League Baseball shorten up the season? How do we present football to the audience of the future? I don't think that most players understand the power that they have. Michael Barr. The future of IndyCar racing is looking bright. Scott Soshnick. Very basic math here. More bidders means more money. Evan Novi williams The team value has essentially quadrupled. And the leaders in the sports industry. Time to bring in our guest, Hal Steinbrenner. National Hockey League Commissioner Gary Bettman. Atlanta Braves President Derek Schiller. Patriots President Jonathan Kraft. Bloomberg Business of Sports. From Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Michael Barr. I'm Evan Novi williams He's back. I'm Yay. Scott Soshnick. Every week at this time, plus Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. On this week's show, we have the founder of Mastery Incorporated, Rudy Klein-Thomas. But first, let's look at the top stories of the week. And let's start with Fox, the RSN sale process, and another MLB owner has jumped in. To be discussed at the owners' meetings in Orlando, a busy time for baseball. But yeah, uh, Jim Polad, the owner of the Minnesota Twins, now joining one of the bid groups. One of the reasons MLB stepped in was because they were afraid a private equity group, if it got a hold of all the RSNs, would, let's just say, not spend a whole lot of cash on the networks that didn't uh, involve big market teams. You know, uh, We already know the Yankees are going to buy back. Yes, that's separate. So it'll be a group of 21 RSNs. You've got Tom Gores and Platinum Equity involved with Liberty Media, owner of the Atlanta Braves. So uh, Sinclair is there. Apollo, yes, maybe no. Um Waiting for the consolidation. Like, this has to come to some sort of fruition soon. So uh, let's see who winds up partnering with who. And again, this is a risky business these days. In a world of cord cutting, it's not the old days where they they were just cash cows and the EBITDA was great. Uh, This is a risk if you are buying this bundle. I'm feeling some deja vu here with the the Panther sale from last year. Uh, Obviously a different kind of transaction, but it seems like a lot of the big names that we heard immediately when these things came out into the market are, are not the ones that, that might necessarily Comcast, be no there. thank you. Fox, yeah. no thank you. Exactly. New Fox, <laughs> old Fox. Um, I, I'm curious if you think that is is the person that's going to get this or the entity that's going to get this or group, do you think their names are out yet? Or do you think we're still kind of waiting for uh, the more serious phase of, of bidders to somebody come Somebody could, obviously, somebody could jump in, but that surprise bidder. Mm-hmm. And we knew there was an extra. I was telling people involved in the sale, you know, there's not just two. There's a third. I'm, I'm being told there's a third. It turned out to be platinum equity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had folks involved call me, say, wow, you were right. <laughs> there, there was a third. There, there they are. So, boy, for somebody to jump in at this point, that's not to say one of these entities couldn't reach out to a different partner now, a financer. Uh, sure, that, that, that could happen. But uh, the due diligence is done. It, it would be hard for somebody now to just... Jump in and say, hey, let me let me start from scratch and let me have some management meetings and find out what's going on. You know, the, these seem to be the most serious players. Well, who's the front runner? <laughs> Who knows, front runner? I mean, you'd have to think that in some way, shape, or form, because you need some distribution heft behind you, it's a real big risk if you're going alone on this one. You would think that Sinclair, because of all the stations, and they could offer that power behind it. So... Boy, I'm still waiting for, no matter who does it, waiting for a consolidation to see, hey, Sinclair, why don't, why don't you come in with us too? Speaking of MLB, hey, they're talking about rule changes. And to speed up the game, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, no secret that that, that Rob Manfred, the commissioner, and, and Major League Baseball want to get their game 
faster, uh, maybe a little more exciting, maybe lure in some some younger fans. Uh, there are a number of rule changes here. Some of them might actually, I mean, could have could have big effects on, on the economics of baseball. Uh, the one that jumps out to me from the list here, a three batter minimum per pitcher. Uh, those who know baseball well know over the past 10 years this incredible rise of, of single-out left-handed relievers. You know, your lefty specialist that you call on just to get a, a, a power hitter out uh, on the other team and then, you know, take take him out and put another pitcher in. This uh, a three-batter minimum, I think, would, would, would dramatically change uh, the salary and the economics of, of signing relievers. There's some other interesting ones in here. 20-second uh, pitch clock, which has Yay. been discussed for a while, uh, which uh, I know there are players that are not uh, all that thrilled about. Expansion of rosters from 25 men to, to 26 men, which obviously creates 30 more jobs at Major League Baseball. Then the Kyler Murray rule, the rule that would allow two-sport amateurs to sign Major League contracts. Uh, as a lot of people know, Kyler Murray, the Oklahoma starting quarterback football uh, was drafted by the Oakland A's. You know, the, the, the financials of going pro in baseball versus football uh, might have been a motivation for him choosing to enter the NFL draft. Uh, so you're, a lot of changes going on You're taking up here. all of Barr's time for a story he really wants to discuss. Ooh, okay. <laughs> it's not, when we what say we the got? biggest We're, stories of the week, this is not, I did, not the biggest story of the week, but I knew Barr would love it. Well, let me. There's one thing I want to add about the the three huh. batter minimum for the pitchers. There's a way managers can get around that. If you bring in the pitcher and is the second out, and then he completes the inning, that could still be there you go. A, a, a pitcher change. So, but just limit the throws to first base. Yeah. <laughs> this one six innings. I, I am. Uh, there we go. I found. I saw oh. this one. I'm like, oh, Michael Barr topic. You know, I am a huge here, here comes the outrage. Dale ready, Earnhardt fan. Oh. I'm talking senior now. I'm talking, you know, NASCAR legend. Probably junior, too. And he, Yeah, and love, yeah, love yeah, junior. I just want to make sure, you know. Even like Kerry. I don't know who that is. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the hometown baseball team in Kannapolis, North Carolina, which is where he was, uh, they, they used to be called the Intimidators. Now they want to replace the longtime name, and I don't quite understand why. I do. <laughs> help me. I get it. Help, help the old Evan man. Williams is back. Explain this. Uh, yeah. So, Intimidator Dale Earnhardt Senior's nickname uh, is a, a trademark, and the rights are owned by his wife Teresa. Um, and and this baseball team has new ownership. It has a new stadium. I totally understand an ownership group of a baseball team wanting to own the rights to its own brand. Right. Anytime they want to sell Intimidator shirts, I would imagine new licensing agreements, bobbleheads, all that has to be approved by Dale Earnhardt's wife, who owns the, the brand itself. I, I totally get the idea that, hey, uh, we're kind of restarting. There's a new uh, Temerity Capital. It's the new owner's D.C.-based family office. Uh, they want to have a brand that they can license themselves. They can own themselves. They can market themselves. And Intimidators, um, as nice as it is as an homage to a, to a, to a local legend, just isn't that. Nope. Yeah, we got ho- yeah. homage. She got homage into the- <laughs> oh, my goodness. But Those one, are my thoughts. One, one quick thought. <laughs> Sounded like you were prepared for a, that. <laughs> a, very, a very quick thought. Uh, NASCAR, by the way, they introduced a new rule. Uh, I call it the DQ rule, which means if now if a racing driver fail the car fails inspection – Post-race inspection, they could be DQ'd. No more yang cheating, yang trying. Can't be cheating. Yeah, that's coming into play, and that could play a big role in sponsors. What was the previous rule? Well, you would get the penalty. You get a little trouble. It's like like a timeout versus all out. You've lost TV privileges for a week. 
Yeah. Big punishment. Sponsors aren't going to like that. So if someone is Move close, on, Bob. Hmm. I'm sorry. I'm upset. Now let's get into this week's interview with Rudy Klein-Thomas. He is the founder and managing partner of Mastery Incorporated, a company that specializes in identifying technology, retail, media, investment opportunities for partners, and a whole bunch you of other stuff. You make it so much more difficult than that. He is that liaison, <laughs> the word you like to use, like between that. pro athletes and little venture capital, Silicon Valley. He, he, he hooks the two up. He's the, he's the middleman. He's the guy. Can I just call him the man? You can call him the man in that. And by the way, Barr, our first two hyphen show, Rudy Klein Thomas, Eben <laughs> Novi Williams. I've been waiting over a year to do this show with another hyphen. Well, there's a line there, it's but a, anyway. It's a special one. It's a special one. And you know, Rudy, by the way, he partners with Bloomberg on the uh, VC Athlete Tech Summit. Yes. Fantastic event on, you guys on the younger end. Yeah, we're, Eben and I go out every year. Jalen Brown, whatever, 20 years old, discussing things with Joe Montana who I will say is older than 20. But share it's it's a it's a room where these athletes get together, they they share ideas, they make investments with each other, they make investments in companies of people who are speaking there. Uh, and Rudy, Rudy's a big part of getting everybody together. Anyone who thinks that NBA athletes are just dumb jocks should should attend, uh, should, should be in a meeting there. All right. Well, Rudy, by the way, thank you very much for coming in studio. You're welcome. You're welcome. Finally. Yeah, finally. We've been trying to do this for how long? For over a year. Yeah. I'm, well, I must not be on the top of the list, but I'm glad I made it in No, here anyway. no, 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 no. That's not true. We see you so often. <laughs> like, people should know you were part of the... VC athlete and tech conference we do in San Francisco. Yes, yes, yes. Very so, much so. You know, Eben and I have talked about it. Like we talked with Jalen Brown mm -hmm. from the Celtics there. Right. And I don't, how old is he, Eben? 19, 20 years yeah, old? 20, I think. He just turned 21. Okay. okay. So yeah. He's just turned. Pianist. Yeah. I mean, great conversation. Chess player. Chess yeah. player. Things are different, my day. Yeah. <laughs> Things are different these days, right? Yeah. These are the guys you hang out with a lot. These yeah. athletes who understand Correct. that they have a lot of say and power and contributions to make off the court. Yes, correct. It's uh, it's funny. Times are changing. I don't think that the guys get enough credit as to you know their off-court interest and who they've become, but uh, they're definitely eclectic people uh, with varied interest, and I'm just tapping into it. Are we just talking about stereotype that the the broke athlete? Yeah, that, that's exactly that, that it. Is, how, how do we shatter that? I think that it, uh, the broke athlete sells uh, it's, its news, right? So uh, that propaganda... Uh, is something it's a stigma that the athletes have gotten and hopefully we're breaking it down but uh there's there's very very few in reference to those broke athletes versus the guys that are actually doing well and have interest way beyond the court yeah that that documentary broke on espn yeah, 30 for yeah. 30. i said right away and i told the folks at espn those numbers don't even make sense not even a little it bit it doesn't even make right. sense right. what in your conversations with mm -hmm. athletes what do they say about the perception of pro athletes. Well, I think it's 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 unfortunate. I think most of them, um, again, the advent of broke and and how popular it was uh, before they even enter a room. That's the stigma that most of them are getting, right? So. Um, a lot of them, again, have varied interests, especially in reference to business and uh, different things that they have access to doing off the court. Um, and again, just really trying to help them break down that stigma and. Uh, create the propaganda to where people actually understand that these guys have more to offer than just playing their sport. Part of that stigma, I think, is that you know people love a story of people losing money. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. The, the Firefest documentaries sells, that are exactly. out right now. I loved every minute of both of them. There's a part, I think, of, of, of human nature right. to kind of be attracted of to course. stories in which people are just blowing lots right. of cash. Uh, but part of it, I would also think, um, 
people are just getting paid more. Right. Right. Like your 20 year old in the NBA now, if, if you're pretty good versus what your pretty good 20 year old was being paid in the NBA 20 years ago, even adjusting for inflation, you're talking about two you know, vastly different sums of money. And I would think with that opens doors that might not have been open just to, to, to kids 20 years ago joining the NBA. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, I always say to everyone, if you can't save a dollar, you can't save a million dollars. Right. So regardless of, you know, uh, Hold How on, much money? My, my wife listens to the show. We do that one more time. One more time, please, for not only athletes but for my wife who may be listening to the show. So I mean, you know, uh, at the end of the day, too. I mean, if you have the characteristics of not being able to save or you know understand the essence of money, regardless of how much you make, um, it's not going to make a difference. I think. Uh, you know, what's changing now is, you know, we have cultural icons as well, too, that are now pillars and, and great billboards for being able to um, do different things from your, you know, specific profession or your specific lane. So, again, we have the Magic Johnsons, the Jay-Zs of the world, and now the LeBron James of the world that are great uh, billboards and examples of different things that are um, available to these individuals. And, you know, what I'm trying to do is also is trying to spread the message not just about those guys just because they're, you know, cultural icons and superstars stars um it could be anyone i was thinking about an interview that shaquille o'neal did with bloomberg and he had mentioned that he has become conservative now on how he invests his money he said the best advice he got is invest in something that will change people's lives can can you expand more on that he he said he hit it wasn't until he invested in google where is as he put it he got a big hit uh, whereas he got the other speeches where, hey, if you invest here, you're going to make 10 times your money, and it never panned through. So you can expand more on that. Well, I mean, you know, you, you can take that as far as you want to about, you know, investing in things that are going to change people's lives. I mean, Scott and I can sit here and think that, you know, we have the greatest idea or if we find the greatest idea that'll change our lives, right? So I'd, I'd start by saying, you know, surround yourself with the people that actually are doing well that understand it, right? That's more important than anything, especially if you're going to invest in it. Um, you know, we can sit here again in this room and, and think that we have the greatest ideas or brightest ideas, but not one of us are, you know, are, are specific novices in investing in tech or, or what have you, right? So be the smart person in the room by, you know, surrounding yourself with the smartest people. And, and that's always the, what I always say to people. Don't invest in the pet rock. Yeah, exactly. Whoa, whoa, I think, I think, whoa, whoa, whoa. What if I had said to you years ago, I have an idea for a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle? And you'd say no. But you'd have missed out. So let's not kill on the pet rock. That thing <laughs> right. made some bucks. Right. We are chatting with Rudy Klein-Thomas, founder of Mastery. Now, Rudy, did this start with Andre Iguodala, like your, your association, then one athlete begot another, begot another? Yeah, well, uh, I started as a financial advisor, um, did that for um, over 12 years. Um, and people always obviously attribute me to, to Andre. And I always tell everyone that Andre was just the one that listened the most. You know, um, he, he definitely You got to be smart to know when to listen. Exactly. That's very true. Right. So get kudos to Andre Iguodala for listening the most and, and, and being smart enough to listen. But, yeah, he, he listened the most. Um, and uh, again, you see the the the, the residue of, of him listening. There was a lot of other gentlemen that I I, uh, I helped manage their money um, that didn't listen as much, you know. So um, we were able to grow together. Um, I, I had specific interest in tech, um, and my interest in tech grew to his interest in tech as well too. And we put our heads together to, to to be where we are today. I think we're at a time though where athletes used to want to be rock stars, and rock stars wanted to be athletes, but now they want to be tech titans. They want to be owners. I think in an NBA and NFL locker room, they may be just as well versed in Andreessen Horowitz right. as you, you name it, Jay Z right. lyrics. I mean, right. they they really 
understand more than anything that they don't have to wait until they're done right. playing. That there's power yeah. in being an active yeah. player. That gets you in the door. You better know what you're talking yeah. about, yeah. but take advantage while you can. 100%. I think that that's a, that's a smart thing, and it's not just tech as well, too. There's there's a multitude of opportunities out there. I think, you know, moving forward, you know, it's, it's important that uh, – that we stress that it's not specifically tech. There's other opportunities that are out there that that uh, that they have interest in and that they can get into as well too. But uh, they definitely get it and they're definitely interested. Um, and uh, we want to lead the charge. Do you have clients that are not NBA athletes? Do you have NFL? Yeah, so it's not even clients. I don't work with anybody individually anymore. I don't I don't manage money anymore. Uh, I'm just trying to spread the wealth. You know, uh, we've done quite well in uh, getting access to some of the best companies out there, and I. I think it's my social responsibility, um, given where I came from and who I am now, um, to to share that wealth with athletes to hopefully share it to, to more people as well, too. And do you see a difference kind of in the way NBA players are able to market themselves and, and, and think business-wise versus, you know, maybe different leagues where, you know, you might wear a helmet or, or where you're a little bit more anonymous uh, than you are in the NBA? No, I don't think it makes a difference. I think that's another thing that, you know, uh, to take it away. This is not a marketing contract. They're not marketers for these companies. I mean, I always tell the guys, you know, if a company needs you to market their product or to expand their business, then that's not a good company, right? You know, so um, a lot of this is just learning, you know, understanding how companies grow as well, too. Um, a lot, you can, you know, if you find a way to add value to a company, like kudos, but generally speaking, it's not going to really happen at scale or the scale at which these companies are growing. Um, so, again, the fact of the matter is uh, people like being associated with them, um, be able to, to, to use that leverage to, to get access, um, and when doing so, um, uh, make the most of it. I wanted to expand more on what you just said because it's very rare when you find an athlete whose name moves the product, like Arnold Palmer, for example. He sold his name to Arizona for the iced tea that he made, and and. A lot of people, like my 14-year-old son, don't even realize he played golf. And I brought that up to him. I said, you know, he was one of the best golfers in the world. And he's like, oh, yeah? I'm like, yeah, okay, thanks. But that's the point is that unless you have a really big name like that, it really doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, look at Arnold Palmer. I mean, just specifically, you know, look at that business. I mean, at its peak, it might have been, uh, you know, $200 million business. You know, the businesses that we're talking about are worth billions, right? So, you know, it's apples and oranges, you know, when we're talking about the comparison of, uh, of the kind of companies that we're looking at nowadays. And that's a consumer product company as well, too. So, you know, we caught, you know, the companies that we, we really love are, you know, enterprise companies that sell software um, that have nothing to do with athletes or, or fame or, you know, how popular an individual is specifically. Are the players' unions more receptive to this message these days? Ooh, good question. Um, have a great relationship with both unions. Um, when you say both, you're talking NFL, NFL, PA, yeah, NBA, NFL, and NBA, MBPA. I'm sorry. Um, and uh, I definitely think that they're aware. Um, D. Smith has been, you know, really great at uh, being an advocate in reference to tech um, and and trying to push the players along. So and just understanding it and, and creating a program around it. Well, as they're well, de facto too. venture capitalists in their own right yeah, now. Correct, so correct. They're, they're yeah. With the one team collective exactly. and what they're doing, NFL, exactly. NFL Players Inc. Exactly. And why not keep it in family 100%. if you can use the collection? One hundred percent. He gets it totally, and I love the way that he's building uh, that organization, and also, you know. Uh, helping the guys understand their leverage and doing it collectively as well to where they're actually making real money. We are chatting with Rudy Klein-Thomas, founder of Mastery, links athletes and the investment community. 
How'd you get started? Pure grit. Um, those are the good stories. Yeah, those are the good stories. Uh, how did I get started? I started out, uh, went to Providence College. I was an intern at the NBA before my senior year in school. And uh, after I graduated, I worked as a sports agent. I started out with Lon Babby, who ran uh, Williams, and Conley. Williams and Conley. I uh, did that for a couple of years. Grand Hill, Tim Duncan. You know it, right? He was the one of the first to charge by the hour. Exactly, exactly, which is disruptive in its own right, right? Um, uh, and then uh, I realized that... Uh, I was a finance and accounting major, and I realized there was a greater opportunity with helping the guys manage their money versus being a sports agent. Um, and I thought that I could have more influence and impact doing it that way. I have to ask, somebody we talked about way in the beginning, when you have an athlete, mm-hmm. say 21 years old, and now all of a sudden they're making a fistful of dollars, you have to teach them, or a lot of people, don't go out and just blow all your money. And I remember a lesson my father told me many years ago. He said, whatever you make, break it in half. Put half of it into an investment or savings, whatever. And then if you want to go buy a pair of shoes, you go right ahead. But that's a lesson that I think a lot of athletes need to learn. Yeah, a lot of them know it already. I mean, I think most athletes have heard it so many times. I mean, you can only imagine. I bet you... uh Scott's nine-year-old son has possibly heard of, of an idea or the, the adage of, you know, being athletes being able to save money or athletes being broke. So you, you hear about it so, so early and so often to where it's ingrained uh, in their psyche. So there's not an athlete out here that doesn't understand or have heard, has heard that before. Right. It's just right. the advent of society and the social pressures, right, um, that you have to stay away from. And these are almost two different things in some ways, right? Sa- saving money, putting money aside, being smart with your money, and investing your money aren't necessarily exactly the exactly, same Exactly, exactly. I mean, how do you, kinda, how do you vet the, the, the intentions of people you work with? I would imagine if I was a 20-year-old in the NBA making a lot of money, um, it's easy to say, hey, I want to I invest in tech. Like, I just want to do this. I have money. Let's do it. Versus I imagine you'd want to work with a client who work with somebody who, who, who knows a little bit more, understands the world. I mean, it, there's more than just wanting to do it, right? You have to have some kind of base understanding or willingness to listen, right? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the, the fulcrum for me, it starts out in the foundation is always education, right? And that's what, what I do with Bloomberg. You know, we educate um, all these athletes uh, with the opportunities that are out there um, and and just the, the create the foundation as to, the different segments of possibly investing and or this world that they call Silicon Valley, right? And it starts there, you know? And then, you know, uh, it's almost like a, a degree, you know, to where it starts with the foundation and then you build up to, to hopefully eventually investing. And maybe not, you know, but it, it generally the education will lead to something. Hmm. One of the reasons I'm asking, I've talked to a lot of private equity guys, a lot of whom say when they get pitch decks, and they see, you know, that slide that says, pick a random athlete, Carmelo Anthony has invested. Yeah. You know, they're like, next slide. Next like, slide. I, I don't right, care. Right, right. Exactly, um, exactly. Is that something that you run into? 100%. There's not, there's not, I don't know if there's two investments that, I, that I've gotten into that has, you know, more than another, you know, an athlete or two or three, you know, invested in. That's not, you know, anybody that's focused on, you know, getting money from athletes, generally speaking, is, you know, if that's their, who they're raising from, it's just generally speaking not a good business, I think. <laughs> we know LeBron is a beacon. Right. Are we understating the effect and the impact he is having now and he will have in the future on young athletes? 100%. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I really think we don't understand the impact because – 
yes, everybody wants to be a great player, and they, but they all know they won't be LeBron. But there is a vehicle right. to equity, to 100%. ownership. And I think LeBron is really hammering home that message more than anything else. Yeah, the impact is 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 compounded from the fact of the cultural influence that he has, right? So the cultural influence will always be greater than, you know, what he does on the basketball court. I think what makes him special is he understands the re- social responsibility that God's given him, um, and he's he hasn't taken it for granted, you know? So And he's really fully assumed that responsibility, and he's— and. You know, all everything that he does off the court, he understands the impact that he's making. And, and again, we won't realize it until he's done playing, I think, as to the, the cultural impact that, he, that he's made. And that's generally what generally happens. We are chatting with Rudy Klein-Thomas, founder of Mastery, helps link athletes in the investment community. What were some of your mistakes that you learned from? Ooh, uh, biggest mistake has always been, um, especially initially, great question, actually, um, moving too quickly when I was young. Right. So um, the lack of patience. Um, That's true. Athletes on field of play. Too. Yeah. Yeah. You hear so Jason Kidd in particular. He said, I became the best player on the court when I learned that fast wasn't better. Yeah. Sometimes I needed to slow down. Exactly. Exactly. Same thing. So generally speaking, I was a hard learner early on. I'd say early 20s because, you know, I wanted it all now um, and all the biggest mistakes that I've made in my life have been has been just from the uh, standpoint of trying to move too fast and I'd say over the last five to six years that I've actually slowed down and and, you know I've grown exponentially personally and professionally from slowing down that's a hard lesson though because it being for athletes especially they're used to that mentality it's like hey I got to go, and I got to go now. And then all of a sudden, just like what Scott mentioned about Jason Kidd, you have to kind of relearn and rewire yourself. Well, I'll tell you this, guys. I mean, the the only way that what slowed me down is surrounding myself with mentors, right? You know, guys that have done it before or people that I've tried to or want to emulate um, and then, and just learning from their mistakes. So It's I, time I, to name names, Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> I essentially uh, – I essentially um, – surround myself with as many as possible now and 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 i'm very motivated to do so um to allow me to learn much faster um and and again learn from their mistakes there's so many people that are willing to give that advice out there seriously can you name names you and i think i think we share one i'll name one go ahead and i don't think he'll mind you can say yes that's one of them david stern yes david's definitely been a um uh, a mentor of mine. I met David Stern initially. He won't remember meeting me uh, when I was an intern at the NBA, but I've watched him closely, and he's been um, extremely, extremely helpful in my development over the last, you know, uh, three to four years. Um, David doesn't bite his tongue at all, um, and uh, he generally has a genuine interest um, in, in helping out. You know, specifically, I think he's taken a keen interest in, in what I've, uh, what I'm doing, um, and we share an interest in tech. He's not kidding. He takes greater pleasure in players being successful off the court yeah, yeah. than on the court. Yeah, That's 100%. actually what he wants 100%. for NBA players 100%. or has always wanted and something I believe he's communicated to Adam. 100%. And you, you can see that message has, has permeated the league. I love the way you just gave up. Rudy, but <laughs> David Stern, but it's true. It's like what you just said. Oh, David it's, wouldn't mind. David yeah. wouldn't mind, I know. He's a good guy. Oh, if he hears this and, and he has a problem with it, I'm, I'm sending him your way. <laughs> but believe me, David knows my number and he's not afraid to use it. <laughs> like I said, David is not one to hold his tongue. I tell people all the time, I did not go to law school. 
I did one better. Mm. I grew up reporting, covering the NBA specifically on a national basis. Mm -hmm. I graduated from the University of David Stern, which is harder than going to Harvard Law. 100%. Because you're facing that professor every day, and you better bring it. Because he does not allow you to get away with anything. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah, that's true. In the NBA right now, we have one former player who's an owner, Michael Mm -hmm. Jordan, who, Mm -hmm. who obviously made a lot of money outside of his basketball playing career as well. Um, with franchise valuations being so high, do you think we're going to see another majority owner that's a former player, or is it is, is the price tag becoming so great that that you kind of need to be a a, a a titan of industry to, to 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 pay that price tag? Well, yeah. Look, look what's happened, guys. You know, since since 2010, is the essence of wealth has considerably changed, right? You know, so you know now to be wealthy, you have to be considered a billionaire. Period, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and even that doesn't get and you. That doesn't, <laughs> team in the NFL. Scott, and, Scott and I always talk about that doesn't get you anywhere, right? With the, with these league valuations, and it's not going anywhere. The advent of of betting as well um, as tech will 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 definitely significantly add, and even media as well too, as it's changing, will add to the valuations of these teams. I think a lot of players have the aspirations of, of owning teams. Sure. What they don't understand is uh, it just won't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I think maybe one possibly two will have the opportunity to own a team and even majority is questionable right you know um but uh but it's interesting i love what grant did as well too i think a lot of them could be part of it i think it'd be smart for owners to to surround themselves with more former players as well too um to be successful or have success but uh, it won't happen from a majority standpoint well grant hill was ahead of his time in that he told me on his off days on the road, yeah. he used to go and meet with the opposing team owners yeah. because he was interested in their specific core business. Yeah. I mean, I've also had people tell me, guys off the road, they go to theme parks and yeah. watch Cartoon Network. Yeah, you wrote that article years yep. ago, yeah. and I share it all the time. I share it as many times as possible, that article that you wrote about Grant. I wish that uh, more guys would read it and just gave me an idea for, for, my, uh, for my newsletter this week. Um, I, I'll definitely share that article again, but uh, it's one of the best articles ever in reference to just, you know, people think and look at Grant now and how did he do it? You know, this guy has been building this and has been planning for this for the last 15 years. It just didn't start today. He just didn't get an opportunity to own a team. And, and by the way, it's, it always helps to have a little assistance from mom and dad. Yeah, and not dad went to Yale, played for the Cowboys, <laughs> right, right. opened some doors, but the impressive one yeah, of the family yeah, yeah. is Janet, yeah. his mother. Yeah, 100%. She's on the board at Carlisle. Yeah. So yeah, hi, Mr. NBA All Star. Yeah. But uh, mom, can you make a call? Yeah, you know, I'd like to meet with Stephen Schwartz. One hundred percent. Well, it's true. Yeah. it's true. But use use it whatever's yeah, available. Whatever's available. One question that I would like to add about that is when you get to an, an athlete uh, like Grant Hill, born in Damakan Sioux, I that was one name that popped in my head. You see this, especially in Damakan Sioux, you see this one persona on the football field. Now he's with the Los Angeles Rams, and he's out there, and it's fierce, and it's you know he's playing tough. And then you separate that, and then you realize this man is a very good businessman yeah. of all of the stuff that he's done. Yeah. And I think the public needs to realize to separate that from the two. What you see on the court, uh, as in uh, Steph Curry, compared to what he has done business-wise – they're almost like two different people. Yeah, one hundred percent. And and I could say that for each and every one of them. You know, um, I haven't met a, a professional athlete that I I actually didn't like personally at all. Never. You know, um, generally speaking, they've all been great people. Um, but again, you know, this is they're entertainers at the end of the day. You know, and when they step, you know, when the lights are on, they they're paid to entertain, and that's the essence of it too. So. 
you know, unfortunately, a lot of that gets bled into real life, which it isn't, you know. Um, and I think that uh, if, you, if you're able to separate the two, then you're able to put it into context as well. Yeah, well, putting into context is what we hope to do here. Rudy mm-hmm. Klein-Thomas, thank you so much for coming in studio and, and sharing a little bit of what you're doing. Thank you. Takeaways. <laughs> I love it because we're emphasizing that young men, as you mentioned earlier in the show, they're not just dumb, stupid athletes. These are young men and women who are very smart, and if they put the dollars in the right place, they can have a very nice life. You know my thing. Athletes want to be rock stars. Rock stars want to be athletes. Well, the rock stars still want to be athletes, but the athletes don't want to be rock stars anymore. <laughs> you know, no, Gone are the days of the Shaquille O'Neal rap video. I, athletes want to be titans of industry. Yep. They look at LeBron, and even Rudy said it, like, you, this is the guy. You, you, have, you have Magic, you have Michael, and now LeBron, my guess, will exceed what both of those gentlemen have done, in part because of what has come before him. But LeBron is building an absolute entertainment behemoth, and he understands ownership. Uh, a lot, lot of, lot of those following in his footsteps off the court, and it's changing the way that that fans interact with the players. Also, LeBron and Blaze Pizza is a perfect example, right? Fifteen years ago, LeBron would have been a, an endorser of Pizza Hut, right, or, uh, or or Papa John's. Instead, LeBron took an equity stake in a much smaller company that he has some investment in, that he owns a piece of. He's a franchisee in in a specific part of the country. This is the new world for athlete business. Let's see if I can get it. It is not the pizza until. It comes out of the oven or is it a pizza as soon as i put my fingers in the dough seinfeld hey puppy got sloppy oh man <laughs> my goal is to be the number one pick that's something i've been dreaming of since kids it feels better to be number one than number five i wear the number because of mike we have a chance to go for three in a row good numbers at a good time when i first started wearing that number i was just happy and proud bloomberg business of sports the number of the week Time now for the number of the week. And you know what? You sent that to me. I sent you the number. Yeah, what was it? Two million or something? It was two million. It was two million. See, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. I don't remember what the two million was, but I remember do you remember what it was? I have, I'm trying to remember what it was. Seriously, you brought the number of the week. I brought the number of the week and I forgot what the number was. Oh, oh my clown God. music, please. Clown Medina. What, what Medina. was it? Come on, man. What oh, was it? I don't remember. I, I remember sent it to I, you. I wrote down two million. Now, I'm actually searching right now number of week for you on, on my number. It was, it, uh, I don't think I'm going to find it. Uh, <laughs> unbelievable, Bob. You are responsible for this. I know. I, I, and and I, was, I was working so hard, man, making sure I had the number of two million. Rich Truman said he sent you a number, too. Yeah, he did. Do you know that one? So maybe we could just do this? That was what? Wait, was... I got it. Oh, I got it. I got it. How good am I? All right. <laughs> All I right. got it. How good am I? Yeah. <laughs> what, oh, come on. I this is on the email. air, high pressure. The number of subscribers at ESPN Plus already. Oh, I saw oh, that. Yeah. Yes. 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 That's a good business number. That's like doubled from so when they gave their in yeah, yeah. three or four three, months, four months roughly, whatever it was. Like yeah. Five bucks a month, two million subscribers. Bar, can you do the math? Uh, five bucks a month, two million. We're talking uh, ten million. <laughs> ten million a month. I mean, nice. it's not it's not the six ninety whatever it is the cable subscriber get. You know, the sub fees. And we're not replacing sub fees yet. But it's a growing business. That's a real number. Yeah, when they announced the million a couple months ago, it kind of came right on the heels of ESPN announcing that ESPN uh, Insider members were now also Plus members, which led to a lot of speculation that they were kind of juicing the numbers. You're hearing less of that speculation now. It certainly feels as though 
uh, there's a bit of momentum behind with real sports ESPN on Plus. ESPN Plus. Yeah. And again, as we talked about with the zone and all these, it, it, you need to see the churn numbers. It, getting people to sign up is one thing, uh, and it's also it's something you can pay for. You can pay for new users. Can you pay for them to keep coming back? And that's the big question. Will these people continue to subscribe, or when they finally get a chance to renew? Are they going to change? And will they go the Reed Hastings model where you get everybody hooked and then what do you do? Raise the price. Raise the price. (laughs) Exactly. Just have a taste. That's right. You've been listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports. We, including Mountain Man Eben, are here each and every week for you at the same time. Plus, online as an Apple podcast, you can catch that Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. I'm Eben Novi Williams at Novi underscore Williams. And I'm Scott Soshnick. You can follow me on Twitter at Soshnick. Thank you very much for joining us. Please tune in next week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry. And we have NBA All-Star Fred. Well, he's not an All-Star, but during for NBA All-Star Week, Fred Van Vliet. This guy has a great take on how to take care of your money. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports and Bloomberg Radio around the world.